Hey friends and foes, welcome to Brushwick Podcast. My name is Stephanie Scott and today is Art Book Club. On Art Book Club, we are reading Advice on Painting from John Singer Sargent, which is by Thomas Jefferson Kitts. It's a short PDF, it's annotated based on a book that's in the Creative Commons. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different style book today. On the podcast, I've got my friend and book club co-host, Visual Nomad, also known as Jennifer, and uh, we're going to chat about this book live on Twitch. If you're interested in coming to the live shows of this podcast, every second Sunday on Twitch is when book club is. It's at 3 p.m. Pacific time, and I'd love to see you there. Without further ado, here's our book club. Friends and foes, welcome to Art Book Club. Today on Book Club, we're reading, or we read this last month, Advice on Painting from John Singer Sargent. And this is a PDF that was based on the book about John Singer Sargent um, called John Sargent that's in the public domain. So if you're like, I want to read the original version without all the notes, um, that's a possibility. It's uh, I'll, I'll put a link somewhere, probably in the show notes, about where to find that. But this PDF was written by Thomas Jefferson Kitts, who is a living painter who does a lot of really brilliant landscape paintings. And he had this, like, John Singer Sargent was his, like, big inspiration in life. And he's like, I got to learn more about this artist. He made him want to be a landscape painter and also do portraiture. And was like, there's nothing really there. Because at the time, Sargent had been kind of out of favor in the academic scene. <laughs> at least that's what he wrote in his introduction for this book. And... So I saw this PDF and I was like, this is interesting. I think we should read it for Art Book Club. So that's what we read this month. On Art Book Club today, I have my friend and often co-host for Art Book Club. This is Visual Nomad. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> Visual Nomad is an abstract oil painter as well. And we've been reading books together for, I think this is our seventh book. Like, Art Book Club has been going so, for at yeah. least half a year now, and that feels pretty good. We're going strong. We're going mm -hmm. strong. <laughs> um, we both read this book uh, this morning. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, thank you for the bits, yes. Jonathan. I appreciate all those very cute corgis. <laughs> and and uh, I this is my second read-through of this PDF. I read it first... Uh, I don't know, like eight years ago, something like a long time ago, but I was like, I just want a refresher because I had seen some of Sargent's paintings recently on a quick trip I took and I was like, okay, these are pretty sexy. So I gotta, I gotta read more about them again. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. So far, what did you think of this little booklet? Hmm. Um, I thought it was a great insight. So when I hear John Singer Sargent, mm -hmm. I tend to have this knee-jerk reaction of rolling my eyes back at my head. What? <laughs> um, not because of who he is, but because of people's reaction to him mm -hmm. um, as a painter. Um, it's like, oh, do you know Sargent? Whenever you tell people you're a painter and you're like, yes, I freaking know Sargent. If I don't know Sargent, there's something wrong with me because he's up there with Warhol as yeah. far as painters are concerned. Um, mm -hmm. But I love his work. And like you said, you know, around the 80s, he fell out of favor. My guess is because you had people like 
Keith Haring and Basquiat and Andy Warhol and all of them that were really, really strong in the art scene. And it was very different. It was ready-made, abstract, very, I mean, Duchamp had run ravage through art and basically undone every tenet of art at that point. And they were trying to figure out where we were going to land, you know, but it was very abstract and very pop culture at yeah. that point. Traditionalism so was kind of why. thrown away. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, But um I I really liked it. Like I I think there is a lot to glean from Sargent. Um more than just oh this is a technique. You know, there's there's some really strong core painter values that I think we can pull from him in any discipline that are that are wonderful. So I thought that was really good to get from this. I thought that was good too. I I love his work and I feel like um any teacher I had when I was like in high school would tell me that he was too romantic in a sense where like his his mm. his portraits are very they have a lot of beauty in them. That. Yeah. And so I was often told to not look at his work as a reference. But as I got older, Mm. I was like, but but these are really magical. Like, I feel like he's Mm -hmm. almost unanimously liked by people who do like realism. And just like the light that comes from his portraits are just, they're so good. And he has some really great, um, just like technical advice in, in in this little booklet, but also you know, just like attitudes around painting that I think are mm-hmm. pretty inspiring. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I also really liked uh, Kit's annotations of this book. Um, in the book, it's like um, kind of excerpts from Sargent's book on the right side. And then Kit has his own notes about the book on the left in red um, for the majority of this little booklet. And I feel like it... When I when I would read the part about Sargent, and then I would read the little annotations, it was just like they were perfectly done, perfectly balanced. I was like, "Yes, tell mm-hmm. me about what mm-hmm. <laughs> this like third person like <laughs> narrator from the sky is telling me about Sargent." It and it was it's very I don't know, just like approachable, right? Because I think it felt more of like a group discussion in that manner because it wasn't just pull quotes from from Sargent himself mm-hmm. but it was quotes and interactions that his students had had with him with some of his peers it it was really good it was like this generational conversation in this this piece which was really nice yeah to see how he he's spanned the ages like the fact that he kind of disappeared from his age to some extent um, I mean, he wasn't able to show in Paris because of the one piece that he created that mm-hmm. he considers his masterpiece, which is unbelievable to me that he stood on that and was like, fine, I don't care. You right. know, <laughs> um, the damage had already been done. And then he came back and was like, I'll paint the strap on her, you know? Yeah. She, so this, this lady had this very, what we would call a cocktail dress today, which would look normal on anybody right now. But back then, for them to show any skin or anything like that... Scandalous. It was scandalous, mm-hmm. you know. And 
he didn't say her name, but he had made such a striking likeness of her that everybody knew who she was. And she was an aristocracy Mm -hmm. and she didn't care and he didn't care. And it was just kind of this like, okay, well, he painted her dress with the strap halfway down her shoulder on the one side. She wasn't showing anything, but it was the suggestiveness of this piece. And they were the French of all people, shall we say, uh, astoundingly were very prudish in that respect. And we're like, no, no, we can't have this. You're out. Right. Uh, But yeah. So then at that point, he had to basically move to England and settle down in England and create a studio in England and in America. Um, And so it's just like, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to see that he's, he's kind of suffered a couple artistic deaths in his whole run of things. Just based on his reputation, right? So this is the Madame X piece that we were talking about Mm -hmm. here. And um, yes, her. So, so the strap on the left hand side was halfway down her shoulder on that arm, and mm-hmm. it kind of added to the angularity of the piece and and kind of led you out. Yes, so that strap there was actually painted along the side, yeah, towards, and it ran at the same angle as her neck, and mm-hmm. so it kind of drew you out of the piece and kind of pulled you in, and so, yeah, it was just. It's fascinating to see that he has such a strong following today in light of all of these different movements that have come through and some of the judgments against him, you know, like you said, your teacher was like, yeah, it's too romanticized, you know, and I can see that, but I'm like, the mark making in these pieces is absolutely astounding. His, his grasp on... Like they were talking about tone and value and and how he tweaked that and was so good at that. And that's really what makes his pieces so beautiful. It's not just, oh, this is a landscape. It's the light in it is just like you said, it's magical. It's it's so it's good. Really something that he's done. Like I would love to be able to pick his brain, honestly. Right. <laughs> He didn't have very many students. He he only had a couple, and he was reluctant to take them. Um, I feel like a core lesson he taught throughout this, I'm going to pull up this image again, um, was to simplify was one of the big, one of the major like t- yeah. advices he gave, but also to kind of let, to let an image kind of, to change the contour of edges to dramatize what you want to come forward and what you want people to pay attention to and soften what you don't. So like here on the the woman's brow, it's very sharp. Her hairline is very sharp, but then you like look down to her neck here, which just kind of fades into her dress and you can see it here. And it's just like, where are you looking? Well, you're not looking at the chair really. I mean, you, you kind of do, but you like, you look here, you look at her hands and then you look around. And I think that's, it's such a hard thing to learn how to do and like like this yeah. side of her neck versus this side of her neck and like this kind of like shape oh, she's so beautiful um <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's that's tough i i feel like as you and i can get pretty hard edged on our paintings on our abstract work sure 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 and it's a tool that we are using as abstracts um but when you when you're 
doing realistic paintings, I feel like that's even more important to know when to put in an edge and when to put in something that's soft and when to have two colors that are really contrasty and when are, you have two colors that are just, they're so, so similar that you can barely tell the difference. And that's kind of delicious. Yeah, I think, because, I mean, that was one thing that when I sat down to read this, my thought is, as an abstract painter, how do I even, how does this relate to me? It's such a different, uh, it's such a juxtaposition to what you and I do. Mm-hmm to some extent, um, that it's like, I don't know. I mean, I strive to get more loose in my brushwork, um, as time goes on, because when I started, I was very tight, very contained, very, like, even in that abstraction, it was very figurative almost realistic, you know? Um, and now I feel like I'm trying to loosen that up and, and there are struggles in that, but like to see some of the things that he's done and I'm like, Oh, I guess I could apply that. Like inside Mm -hmm. those, for those of you that haven't seen my work, a lot of my pieces are broken up into smaller squares, rectangles, shapes. I've taken an image and basically shattered it and piled it on top of itself. So there's some semblance of the thing that's there, but also they're shifting and stuff there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the edge thing, I I see the use of that in those shards because there are hidden edges on those. They're vanishing edges, as they would say. Yeah. And, and then a harder edge. And how do I work with that to give pieces depth? So that it's not just a like very two-dimensional, non-fragmented um, piece. And yeah, just like even the, the work that's inside of those shapes, it's still somewhat realistic in its rendering. So I can still use some of this, mm-hmm. um, this technique um, inside of the that space. It's like, how do I adapt that when it's not this... I shouldn't say photorealistic, but very in realism. Yes. Of something. Yeah. It's yeah. When I look at my art, like I'm looking at the one behind me and I have definitely some soft edges. Like all, when you get up close with my artwork, all of it's hard edged, like all of it. (laughs) But when you look at it from afar, Mm. from, you know, 12 feet away, there are some very soft aspects to it. And I think learning to wield that in a sense is really important. Mm -hmm. I look at, I see the hard edge going straight down the middle, the diamond in the center where the Mm -hmm. circle meets the gold. It's, it's all of it's on purpose, but it's like, okay, could I have like, like this one right here? There we go. That line, could that line have been softer (laughs) versus like that one, which is Mm -hmm. super soft? Like, could I have like eased the whole thing around better? I, it's, it's interesting. Sure, sure. Yeah. And where is balance and where where do you decide to put those hard edges to create some sort of emotional impact when you are making your work or, or visual impact, I guess, in in its least form, but it's Mm -hmm. delicate. It's delicate. Yeah. And Um, also lead somebody around the piece as well in that, Mm -hmm. in that space, 
which is even harder because it's like, okay, I want to do this, but it's like, does that lead people through the piece the way that I want it to? And that's, that's an ongoing struggle. <laughs> it is. It is. It's like, where do you want them to look first? And then what, what right. sort of shape do you want to lead their eye in? And that sort of composition, abstract art, so hard. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, anyways, um, one of my favorite things he talks about in the very beginning of this book is how when a new student will come to Sargent and Sargent will be like, okay, let me see your palette and your brushes. And I'm very curious. Mm -hmm. I think I might have asked you this before, but never on this podcast. So how do you lay out your palette? Like, do you have, like, how many colors do you have out at once when you work on a painting? Are they the same colors every painting? Um, what order do you lay out your paints, like, from left to right? Like, get granular. Um, so <clears throat> the way I used to lay out my palette when I started a couple of years ago mm -hmm. is not anywhere near what I do now because I've gotten some help. And so mm. I've gotten a little bit of understanding of color theory inside of this. Now, my base colors, they've been almost the same since the very beginning. Hmm. Um, I gravitated to a, a set of colors and I'm able to create what I need out of that. Now I'm adding a couple different colors, one for transparency, um, another one so that I can, you know, get the kind of purples that I want in some respects. I can't just do red and blue. Mm -hmm. It won't give me that purple that I'm looking for. I need more of like a violet or something like that, that I can really use with it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been so from left to right. Yeah. Um, oh, let's see what is on the left. The left is, uh, a lizard and crimson. Then it goes cad red, cad orange, cad yellow, azo yellow. Hmm. Cad lemon yellow, which is a like a blue shifted yellow. White. Then it goes to, I think I do ultramarine blue, Prussian blue, and phthalo blue. And then I've got um, viridian for my green. And that's along the top. And then in the bottom right hand corner is where I do my darks. Mm. So I'll have my, my, my burnt umber down there and that's where I'll make my black yeah, and my, my dark purples and my dark blues that will happen down there. So yeah, that's kind of how I lay things out. In, in this book, Sergeant's like pour a lot of color, like enough yeah. for 12 paintings. How much <laughs> color do you pour per, like for, for each paint? like color that you have down um is it like a dime is it like a quarter like what give me a size estimate of how much paint you put down i'd probably say probably a nickel's worth maybe a little mm -hmm. bit more yeah and it's usually there for more than one painting depending on what i'm doing mm -hmm. um the white i go through quite a bit um when did you as you go along paint go ahead where did you learn to put white in the middle of your palette um that was from my mentor. Yeah. He's like, you put white in the middle. And I was like, why? And he's like, well, 
because it all like kind of comes back to white so and you can tint from the center it's kind of like how you separate your colors down mm -hmm. your warms are on one side your cools are on the other mm -hmm. and you kind of work your way through it so yeah but it, it works out really well because i end up like i had white in my right hand corner yes and i would have to like pull it across and i'm like that's so annoying <laughs> Like, why? <laughs> and, like, when I started, mixing color was vastly different than what I do now. Mm -hmm. Like, I was kind of taught how to paint and kind of not. Mm -hmm. So graphic design was my my major in college. So I took a painting class, but that's all I took. And it wasn't the greatest painting class. <laughs> so it's like there were a lot of things that were missed. But, like, how I mix down colors is different now than what I did before. Hmm. I know some people do a lot of pre-mixing. I used to do a little bit of that, but now I do more mixing on the fly than what I did before. That's interesting. So, yeah. Nice, nice. On on my palette, when I it also depends on what I'm painting. Like if I'm out mm. doing a landscape, I do it very differently than when I'm doing an abstract. So, mm. lately mm -hmm. when I do my abstracts, I have a big old pile of white also in the middle. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I didn't learn that until I met artists from overseas. And I, I met some, mm -hmm. some, mm -hmm. just like some students from Europe that had been like visiting Seattle. And I was like, oh, you do it like this? And they're like, yeah, because you, you, your arm travels fewer time, like fewer space to like mm -hmm. get to your color. Mm -hmm. Anyways, genius. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I went through like four years of art school before I learned that. Anyways, um, yeah. I, right. <laughs> um, when I do my abstracts now, I'm, I pour like probably a quarter worth size dollop of color and I'm using super limited. I pull like three pigments and mm -hmm. they're never the same for, per painting. Mm -hmm. So it's like in my link painting I just did, I had a phthalo blue, the lizarin crimson, and a sap green. And then I think uh, okay. a yellow, like a hun, like, it's like really pale yellow. I forgot what it was called. But usually it's like three to four colors plus a white. Um, okay. And sometimes a black, not normally. But I, I found that when I had more colors on my palette all the time, my colors were just getting like, all over the place like I had no yeah. self-control I'm like this one looks delicious let's just add a little bit of that into here like <laughs> I'm yeah. like I'm like I need like uh guardrails on my the bowling ball lane that is my brain <laughs> yeah. yeah I hear that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that's that's how I've been doing it lately <laughs> and I like it I like it um yeah and I I used to be so just like I used to pour like the tiniest like half inch of a squirt <laughs> like like enough to like put toothpaste on your mm -hmm. toothbrush amount of paint like <laughs> but like right right uh, and then I would have to constantly be repouring it but now I'm like I have extra paint canvases nothing's going to waste I I used to keep paint in the freezer but I I just don't need to anymore um but that's mm -hmm. that's what I've been doing lately and it's working out right now we'll see if things change in the next 10 years Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Now, now I want to ask you about the other aspect, which was he says to use really thick brushes with like, like big brushes with a lot of resistance in the brush. Do you like that kind of brush for your work? Okay. 
So yeah, I use a a flat by mm-hmm. Rosemary and Co. It is a synthetic flat. You got the fancy ones. Um, and it's got. See, that's funny you say that because they're actually cheaper than my Windsor and Newton brushes. Are they really? Which is really funny. Yeah, they are some of the cheaper brushes that I've bought, and they're way better made, which is really funny. <laughs> um, which I didn't think that would be the case because I actually had to order them from England. Yeah. Um, I do have somebody here in the States that, that does sell them, but they don't carry all of them. They only carry certain ones, and they didn't have they didn't have my size zero flat Rude. that I really, really wanted. <laughs> So they're not easy to find. I'm just going to put in a whole order from England. Fine. (laughs) I keep thinking Um, I want to buy one of their um, watercolor travel sets. They have them in like these little mm, like bullet mm. containers. They're so cool. And I'm like, right. That's just fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But tell me more. Yeah. So, yeah. So I like a little bit of snap with mine and Mm -hmm. um, because you and I do somewhat similar stuff in the respect of we have very hard edges with stuff, very fine lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like mine to be like super razor sharp. Yeah. And Rosemary's the only one that I've seen that's really held that edge. Because um, I've even gotten like my Windsor and Newton brushes. Jeez. I got those brand new and they don't even have an edge to them in their flats. Right. And I'm like... <laughs> what i'm like so basically they crimp them down too much and basically what happens is they splay out Mm -hmm. because they've crimped them too hard yeah instead of like but that's a whole yeah that's a whole artist rant anyways we're not gonna go there Um, but yeah i like i like i like a good snap i like a good snap to my brush um uh i'm kind of Mm heavy-handed so my brushes are probably a bit more springier now than they should be or less springy than they should be because I beat them up. Yeah. But, <laughs> but when you first get them, oh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I'm finding that the paint brushes I have now, I could probably buy different ones because they last me about five paintings before they start splitting down the middle. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> don't like yeah. this. Paintbrush maintenance. Oh, that's a whole different story in and of itself. <laughs> I know. Maybe I'm going to have you on the podcast to some... talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I do some wizardry and magic that I've learned through trial and error. Cool. I'll, I'll be more than willing to to share my info at some point. But yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. It's, it's work. It's work. It's so good. <laughs> um, are there any quotes from this? little booklet that you liked Mm. you want to share let me see not that i am marked any um i think what struck me most about sergeant and i think it just goes to show as artists like you talked about how he didn't take on many many students Mm because he didn't really feel like he could teach very well Mm -hmm. um which is really funny considering how well known and how renowned he was for his skill. Yeah. I mean, he became a very wealthy person because he was such a good painter. Um, but yeah, like the fact that he 
even he had this insecurity about him. Um, I don't know if it kind of gives me comfort to know that those moments that I, that I have some hesitation. Yeah. That it's okay. Like I'm not the only one that feels that way. Um, and it, that it's a process, um, that's never ending. Cause he's constantly learning it. Uh, when you read the piece, you'll see that he's constantly learning and evolving and, and growing in his craft. And even he, you know, when he paint, he would beat himself up. Like people could hear him mumble things <laughs> under his breath about, Oh, well, so-and-so wouldn't have done this. <laughs> it's just like, what, what are you talking about? We love an art rival. <laughs> you know, but, right. You know, but it's like, it, it's just, you know, he was just as aware of the painters that came before him and lived during his time. And that comparison, Sands social media was still there. That comparison in artists um, is still there um, for whatever reason, um, be it just, you know, struggling to make ends meet and mm -hmm. trying to make a living of it. That's part of it, you know? Um, but yeah, just that. And um, what was it again? Like, craft wise just like he he's like i'll teach you fundamentals but the rest of it is gonna have to be you you know yeah. like he didn't believe in those rigid rules but he still fought with himself about that because he would be like well my teacher told me this xyz and that's kind of why i do this this way mm -hmm. you know and uh, was it, uh, Velasquez? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Velasquez, you know, people were like questioning Velasquez's influences on him and they like pointing out a million different things that to the very last painting he did purely because of Velasquez's influence on him. And it's like, I think we constantly as artists fight our way out of that box, but continue to put ourselves in another box after we've fought out of the first one. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's just so ingrained in us. Like, no, this is like, we hear those lessons. No, this is what we do. No, you're not supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. Yep. It's like, uh, he always was encouraging of people finding their own method inside of that, which was, wonderful even though he struggled with it he was able to see it enough to go now i'm going to tell you this but you need to find what works for you you know and like in plain air you know you paint plain air it is vastly different than your studio process because yeah. one dry times are different how your setup is completely different because of your outside mm -hmm. you know it's it's a very condensed studio, so to speak, that you take with you. And so even in that, there's two different methods that you use to paint in some respects. Yeah. Because it is, it's, you know, different Super type. Different. You're, you're painting landscapes as opposed to, you know, more of an abstract piece. It's more of a, you know, impressionistic or realistic piece. So, yeah, that's kind of what I took away from it, which was profound in and of itself. It's, it's so fun and it's, uh, gosh, 
He's just such a cool painter, and I just want to look at his art all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I know, right? When, one thing that kind of stood out to me at the end was he was working on a painting. This is kind of, it kind of gets a little bit narrative here. Um, and he was working, working on a painting, and he's been working on it like, he like had 16 sessions on it or something. And finally he was like, hey, I need you to bring your husband over because I can't figure this out and there's something about painting mm. opals that just like freaks me out <laughs> and, and he knew that the sitter and, and her husband was were musicians and so the husband came by and just played some music and <laughs> suddenly Sergeant had it in like three sessions where he was just like ah, I got it I know how to do this and, mm -hmm. and boom the painting was done what are some things for you that kind of outside of looking at art and doing art help help your artwork happen hmm well oddly enough i have especially with this crunch of trying to get the business off the ground and mm -hmm. doing all that's involved with that i've learned how valuable just taking time to decompress doing something and my thing has been i just play some video games here and there Heck you know yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll, I'll take breaks between the work and be like, okay, let's watch a video or let's, you know, let's play a game, do something other, like to just completely shift my brain out of that space because it does get overwhelming. Yeah. Um, music is another thing that I just, I love, you know, I just put music on and listen and hang out, you know? Um, it's so good. Yeah. Well, how about you? It's good for your soul. I am. I know. I, I took about two weeks off of streaming recently, and mm -hmm. doing some traveling was really fun. That, I feel like, mm. always refreshes me, even if it's, like, just a day trip. Um, but in the short term, I feel like audiobooks really help me out. There's something about, like, listening to a oh, story nice. that gets me, like, into, like, abstract art. I don't know why. I think, mm. I've, I think I've trained my brain for this. Because before I would stream and paint at the same time, I would just audiobook and paint. And I did that for, like, right, four years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I don't know it like it takes me out of my brain and I just like am painting in tune to the, I don't know it's something about the story that helps mm -hmm. me out it's fun it's cute yeah I, lo I love to have music on when I'm painting so I completely understand mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. I joke lately that my uh, new favorite music is Lo-Fi Girl because I listen to her so much on stream mm. just mm -hmm. just every time <laughs> good it's good because it's not necessarily like, like i like stuff that's got words like i listen mm -hmm. to rap and hip-hop and Delicious. all that but i i mean it's it's a vast gamut i mean i listen to video game music that doesn't have any words to it mm -hmm. and then i'll listen to that which is very wordy so it just i think it kind of depends what mood i'm in you know sometimes it's classical sometimes it's old 50 songs or whatever you know it just depends fabulous <laughs> Uh, yeah. Any final thoughts on this book? Overall, I thought it was great. And I'm giving it a, like a, you know, for what it was, a four out of five. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought there's, there's more on the bone to this than some of the other stuff that I've read. Honestly, mm. if you really sit with it mm -hmm. and work, I, I think, like you said, you know, you read through it a couple times. I think I need to read through it maybe a couple more times because I think there's more there to it. 
you know, some of the stuff that, some of the quotes that they have from Sergeant, they don't strike you at first. Yeah. And I think it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you have to read it so that it's in your brain. So when you're in the process of doing something and that comes to mind, you're like, oh, that's what he meant by that. Exactly. Oh, now that makes so much more sense. Yeah. <laughs> so... Like, I, I think there's going to be a lot of those moments in this. So, like you said, I think it's a four out of five, mm -hmm. at least, you know, for what it is. Yeah. Because for as short as it is, it, it, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. I recommend, if you liked this PDF, um, checking out Kit's blog. He's got many entries. Okay. He hasn't updated it lately, um, but he's had just like years and years of writing about art. Um, and also, he's just a fantastic painter himself. Um, so that's also fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good times. Um, yeah. Any, anything else? Or can I tell you the next book? Uh, next book would be wonderful. Let's All right. All right. So the next book we read for October is going to be... Uh, where did I put it? Boom. All right. It's called... The Creative Habit by uh, Twyla Tharp, I think is how her name is okay. said. <laughs> right, right. Called, the subtitle is uh, Learn It and Use It for Life. And um, I found this book okay. when I was adventuring through Portland. And it's... <laughs> let me read the back for you. All it okay. takes to make creativity a part of your life is a willingness to make it a habit. In this product of mm -hmm. preparation and effort, it is within reach for everyone. Whether you're a painter, musician, business person, or simply an individual yearning to put your creative creativity to use, the creative habit provides you with 32 practical exercises based on the lessons Tharp has learned in her remarkable career. Um, she's written many books, and they have like really fun titles like, uh, Where's Your Pencil? <laughs> And coins and chaos. And I just, I'm like, these are so good. Um, I haven't read this. This will be my first read through. But I thought it looked interesting. And we can yes. use a, a book about habits and mindset and things like that. So we'll read that for our nice. October meeting. And then, Ooh. so this book will be the last book that we talk about this year. We're going to do one more meeting in October. And then we'll take November and December off. Where I will tell you the next book we read for January, but you'll have two months to read it. So that'll be nice. <laughs> and, uh, yes. Yeah. Good times. Oh, man. I nice. love reading books. Books are so good. They're just good <laughs> for my soul. <laughs> I've appreciated this because, like, I want to read more, but, like, I get so sidetracked by so many other things. And it's like... Honestly. <laughs> it's nice to, like, have something that I didn't necessarily have to pick out, but I know that I'll really enjoy be like, oh, I've got, and like, and I have a deadline for it. So right. then there's a little bit of a push, but it's not like, oh, I'm going to beat you over the head with this head, with this deadline. It's <laughs> no, you know, read it and enjoy it. And so it, it's kind of nice that I'm like, oh, okay, what's this month's book? Let's read this book, you know? Da, da, da. I am your personal so. artistic curated library at your mm -hmm. service. <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate it. My my shelf doesn't appreciate it, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you again so much to Visual Nomad for joining me today on the podcast. If you're interested in reading this book, I have a link to it in the show notes. Um, you can also get it by subscribing to Kit's website, which is very cool. And uh, thanks, thanks, Thomas Kitts, for, for writing this. I 
I appreciate it. We had a lot of fun talking about it. Next art book club book will be The Creative Habit by Twyla Tharp. You can find that on Goodreads. And I'm excited for to, to talk about it. Make good choices, everyone. And see you next time. Goodbye.